back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yow alongside the Hall of Famer, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant, the legend, at least in his own mind, back in the park. <laughs> That's right. Glad to have you back with us, J.P. We, we really are. Um, not, not just that, but glad to be back with you guys, the listeners and viewers, because we were off for nearly a week. We were off for nearly a week. Um, sporadic. I think you made a couple of appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Sporadically. I made one and a half. You were on I the guess. first, you were on that Tuesday show for a minute though. I was on the Tuesday show. I don't know if I was actually on camera or not. And then, um, you were at the end of the show. I can tell you that. And then I was on, on Wednesday, maybe. Yeah. But that was it because I didn't get assigned to the show the last couple of days. <laughs> just gonna leave that there uh yeah so glad to be back with you guys seriously spring fling was a blast it was it's always a, it's always a lot of fun we we put a lot of work in if you want to check out mainstreetmurray.com mainstreetpreps.com you can find all of the coverage from spring state championships here in tennessee so we appreciate it now we're going to go to the phone lines or I guess the video. I think Mitt is on video today. So Mitt Winter, Apparently. there he is. <laughs> hey, How you doing, hey, guys? And a, doing well, Mitt. A, Mitt is a an expert in NIL law. And I don't know, you know how quickly do you have to study to become an expert in this stuff? Because it seems like you'd have to stay on it all day, every day, Mitt. <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes up. Uh pretty good amount of, of my day. I always kind of take some time in the morning to look on Twitter and keep track of what's going on, read the news and check out all the different laws that are being amended or, or considered by different states. So yeah, it's definitely a lot of, a lot of stuff to keep track of right now for sure. So what does an NIL attorney do in this climate, Mitt? Uh, so a few different things. Um, so I've represented a lot of businesses that are doing deals with athletes, uh, represent some universities, just kind of help them out with their NIL programs. Um, I've represented some of the NIL collectives, which you guys, some of your listeners are probably familiar with. Um, then I've also represented some athletes as well. So kind of done everything in the in the new NIL space. And and your goal as an NIL attorney, I guess, is to make sure that people are staying within whatever the guidelines are that, that have been established, whether it's the collectives, the businesses, the the athletes or the schools. Yeah. So, or or to yeah, let them right. know yeah. what the guidelines are and then let them make the decision, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, obviously advise them on on what the rules are. And you know the best way to to follow those rules, or or the laws. Um, but yeah, in some cases you're you're just advising them and letting them kind of make the the final decision on what they want to do. Um, but but with the businesses, it's um, advising on what the rules are and then helping them structure contracts and agreements. Um, yeah, you know. So yeah. NIL, there's there's basically three levels of NIL. So you have uh, the NCAA rules, then you have state laws, then you have school policy. So it's it's kind of 
whatever state a person is in advising them on what what those rules are and, and what the laws are and how to stay within those those rules and laws and are you working then across the country i mean are you having to keep up with nil laws in both maine and washington state for instance or are you kind of narrowing things down a little bit how are you going about your business in managing all this yeah it's definitely all over the place so that, that's why i try and do my best to keep track of all the different nil laws there are about i think 29 nil laws state laws in effect right now and um, then you have the ncaa rules and then the different school policies obviously so i i you know one person can't keep up on all the different school policies especially when you have 320 whatever division one schools um, but yeah, I have clients all, all over the country. Um, so it's, it's a lot of work to keep up on what's going on. Sounds like. Yeah. And, and one of the states that, you know, I guess today passed their law, uh, Louisiana, the state Senate has approved a bill that would allow schools, their affiliates and boosters to compensate student athletes for NIL. You know, when, when states are taking hurdles out of the situation, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that schools can still uh, facilitate. It's still against, is, is it against NCAA rules for a school to facilitate or, or how does, how does that work right now? Do, do these state laws even matter? Um, it's not against NCAA rules to facilitate a deal so a school can help an athlete obtain a deal so a lot of times what happens is a business will reach out to a school and say hey i'd, I'd like to work with this athlete or um, i'd like to work with one of your athletes and you know will you please put me in contact with that athlete so we can work out a deal gotcha. if schools are not able to facilitate deals either because of their their state law or their school policy the school really can't do anything to let the athlete know that this business wants to do a deal with them. Uh, but it's not against NCAA rules for that to happen. Um, some of the state laws prohibit it. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the states amend their, their laws um, to allow the schools to facilitate those deals. Because there's really, in my mind, there's really no reason that a school shouldn't be able to you know, tell an athlete that a business has reached out to the school and like to do a deal with them. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any reason the school shouldn't be able to put the athlete in the business, um, in touch. Um, but the NCAA rules, they do still prevent schools from actually paying the athletes themselves sure. as part of the NIL deals. So they can't pay them. They can just point them to someone else that can pay them. Exactly. As well, long as know. they're in a state, as long as they're in a state that allows facilitation, there are still some states that have laws that don't allow the schools to facilitate deals. You know, it's it's interesting because one of the things that that I think was forcing some businesses to do deals with guys who hadn't gotten to campus yet was because of this. They were trying to get out ahead of them getting to school, so they were contacting someone at the high school level or whatever. Hey, I want to. We want to do an NIL deal with this guy, but. Obviously, we don't know how to get in touch with him after he gets to school because the schools can't facilitate or whatever based on state law. And and I'm curious if that's going to change things or if or if folks are still going to be reaching out to high school kids and 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 that sort of thing. I, we 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 specifically thinking about you know Nico Iamaleva and his 
alleged eight million dollar deal with the collective you know is that something that athletes at the high school level or just graduating need to be concerned with yeah i i definitely think so um you know if you're in high school athlete and you have you haven't committed to a school and you have collectives reaching out to you, offering you deals in return for a commitment to a specific school. Do you accept that deal? You know, technically you're violating the NCAA rules and potentially state law and also a school policy. And so you're, you're putting your college eligibility at risk if you accept a deal like that. Um, and the NCAA couple of weeks ago they they said you know they haven't really been doing much in the way of enforcing their rules related to booster involvement collector and invo- collective involvement in in the recruiting space now they say they're going to start investigating and, and enforcing their rules related to that um so I, I think high school athletes definitely need to be aware of what the rules are in their parents as well and make sure they're not getting into a situation where they're offered some money you know it's hard to turn down money, um, especially if you're in an economic situation where you might need that money, um, but you don't want to put your eligibility at risk. Um, so it's important to know what the rules are. Speaking with Mitt Winter, a um, name, image, and likeness attorney practicing out of Kansas City here on Main Street Sports Today. Mitt, do you see a point where NIL trickles down to the high school level? I, I think we've heard some situations where some high school student athletes were or did have the possibility. Now, I know here in Tennessee, it's not allowed by the high school governing uh, body, but do you see a situation where that becomes a common thing? Uh, It'll, it'll definitely start to happen more. I don't know how common it will be. Um, There are, are nine states right now where a high school athlete can monetize their NIL and still maintain their high school athletics eligibility. Um, and there have been some high school athletes that have signed deals with Nike and, and Spalding other big companies like that. Um, so it's definitely already happening and it'll probably happen some more, uh, but it's going to have to be, you know, high school athletes that are, are very marketable based on social media followings they have, they have, or if they're just, you know, really amazing at their sport and, and just very well known. Um, but, but it's definitely going to happen, happen some more. And I think um, more athletes will be allowed to do that. Um, more state high school athletic associations are considering changing their rules or in the process of changing their rules. And so I think that's going to continue to spread beyond those, those nine states that allow it now. Specifically here in the Southeast and Southeastern Conference with Greg Sankey's latest uh, comments on NIL, you know, does, do you get the idea that, or, or the thought that maybe this is going to lead to some quicker changing of the guards in the power five level, or could they maybe branch off and get out of the NCAA because of this? What, what, what's the, what's the future hold for the power five as it regards to the NIL? Um, Well, I think just with the future of power five football, I think there's a really distinct possibility that 
Power Five football just completely moves outside of the NCAA and is governed by the college football playoff or another similar entity. Um, you know, football as a sport at the Power Five level, it's, it's so so much different than the other college sports, and the amount of money that's being generated is, is so much greater than the other sports, and it really makes sense for it to almost you know just move completely out of the NCAA structure and be, and be governed differently. And a lot of the college sports leaders, um, Gene Smith and others, Jack Swarbrick, the AD at Notre Dame, have, have talked about this um, as a possibility. And I think it's uh, it's gaining steam for sure. Um, and I think NIL is kind of one of the factors that is, is playing into that and kind of pushing things in that direction. Um, so in the next, I don't know, it's hard to say, maybe five years, um, something like that might happen. And the NCAA right now has a transformation committee that's kind of considering some of these issues. And, you know, it's a possibility that that might come out of the transformation committee. Another idea that's been talked about is a whole new division is formed um, that's still within the NCAA. And maybe Power Five just kind of has its own division um, separate from the, from the G5. Uh, but we'll definitely see some movement in, in football to kind of have its own structure outside the NCAA, I believe. That's certainly interesting. I, I, we obviously have talked about that coming, mm-hmm. you know, in, I mean, timeline, who knows, but it's, it certainly seems like a lot of the old guard is either frustrated and, and it may just be because they were, they, they knew something and now they don't. So everybody's kind of on the same footing. And so it's certainly putting a lot of people in uh, awkward situations, including the Southeastern Conference and Greg Sankey and and everybody else. But obviously that's the ones that we're most concerned with here, uh, Mitt. And so to kind of overview right now, the NCAA, you said, is beginning to set its guidelines and enforce them. Someone mentioned potentially back dating, I guess, and enforcing some of their their rules uh, retroactively. I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. still going to happen. Uh, but what is next? Is there national legislation coming? It, do do we need to be focusing on on that, or is the biggest impact going to come from the NCAA actually enforcing their guidelines? Yeah, in terms of national legislation, I don't think we'll see any federal legislation uh, soon at all. Um, you know, Greg Sankey and other conference commissioners are, have gone and met with some of the leaders in in Congress uh, to push for a federal NIL law, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen um, soon, if ever. So I. The states will continue to either, you know, amend their laws to make them more permissive or completely repeal their laws. Um, so I think it's going to it's going to fall to the NCAA. And the question there is how effective they're going to be within enforcing their rules that they have. Um, the NCAA's problem is it doesn't have subpoena power, so it's hard for the NCAA to get third parties like collectives and boosters that are getting involved in their recruiting to cooperate, even if the NCAA is going to investigate, you know, they don't have to cooperate. They have no 
obligation to talk to the NCAA. Um, so I think the NCAA is really going to have to rely on the athletes who have information and have been, you know, privy to being offered deals and signing deals, uh, cooperating. And the NCAA can get, you know, in certain instances, get them to talk. Um, you know, they can offer that carrot of, you know, we know about this deal and we think it's a recruiting inducement. So your eligibility is at risk. But if you share the information that you have with us, you know, we're not going to declare you ineligible. We just want to know about what this collective or this booster has been doing. So that might get some athletes to talk. We'll see. Um, some schools, if they have information as well, they're supposed to share information with the NCAA also. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. that, that, doesn't always, that doesn't always happen, as you guys know. So <laughs> yeah, lot, okay. especially, especially lately, schools have been taking a much more adversarial stance with the NCAA. Well, um, thank you, Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Not thank you, yeah. Oklahoma State. Thank you, NCAA. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, still, yeah. but it's it's the Oklahoma State yeah. that brought that about. I mean, it's it's <laughs> right. a direct result of how they were dealt with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the Oklahoma State tried to cooperate and they got hammered. Hammered. Well, <laughs> and the schools that say, Yeah, we don't really really want to share this information with you. We're gonna make this as hard as possible for you, NCAA. They're you know, they're, they're doing yeah, fine. They haven't, they haven't been yeah. hit yet. So. I mean, Will Wade got fired, but. How long did that take? Yeah, exactly. that was, yeah that that's what I'm saying. After. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it, we're going to make it as hard as possible and as long mm. and drawn out as we can make it. There you so, go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Man, thank you, you know, for taking time with us, man. We really appreciate you. You've yeah. shed some light on this, and, and I know it's changing every day. So, uh, <laughs> so, so get back to work. <laughs> yeah. We've passed three laws since we've been sitting here, man. Sorry. I know. <laughs> I'll have to go check Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> See what's been happening. Thank you. Seriously. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right. When we come back, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world is wild and wacky Wednesday here on main street sports. Literally Day. from across the world, from across the world. <laughs> so stick around. Main Street Sports Day returns after this.